today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. What was that? The end of the world, November 25th, 1963. And where am I now? Dallas, 10 days earlier. I need to find my family. All right, first off, I want to say we brought the end of the world back here with us. Oh, my God, again? My cult is going to be so pissed. I told him we had until 2019. We have until Monday. I have to make it right again. Before everyone and everything we know is dead. All right, quick rundown. Luther, super strength. Klaus can commune with the dead. Allison can rumor anyone to do anything. Except she never uses it. I heard a rumor. You punched yourself you in the face. Ah, damn it! All right, Umbrella Academy, it is here. Uh, midnight tonight, tomorrow, sort of tonight and tomorrow, with the exceptional Ellen Page, great Canadian right there, uh, from Halifax. She's in it. So many other great names in it. Uh, and it was a big smash, okay, among adults and teens alike. So we got a chance a couple days ago to talk to the series creator, the executive producer, and the showrunner. Hamilton is a big, big part of this, and you'll recognize uh, Dallas, Texas in the 60s as Hamilton. And many of you Hamiltonians might have seen uh, shooting. Some of you might have been extras in it. So it's a big deal in the area, no question about it. And a great show, period, uh, that goes worldwide tonight, the second season of Umbrella Academy. And I had a chance to talk to Steve Blackman about it. Here it is. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good, Greg. How are you? Good. Busy junket day for you. Am I near the end of your uh, proceedings? Oh, no, no. You're early on. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling right through dinner time, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, this is like Christmas Day, obviously, for a lot of people who love the first season. And I'm sure it is uh, for those in the creative process as well. We've all been, you know, stuck in our basements and stuck in our homes and we're searching for fresh content. And we're, we're now at what, about 16 months uh, since the debut of, uh, of Umbrella Academy on Netflix. That's right. So it's been a little while and I, I hope the fans are ready for a wild ride. I would think they would be. The way things left after uh, season one, that's what happens now with binge television, isn't it? It's There's not really a buildup of week by week by week. It, you can absorb all this at once, and I'm sure a lot of fans of the book did, a lot of fans of, uh, of some of the actors involved did. And uh, I know that when it takes longer than a year for any show that we like now, uh, you know, we want instantaneous resolution to the climax of season one. Yeah, no, and I think what's so that's so interesting about Netflix is that I love the concept of, you know, watch at your own speed. You can binge it over a day or two days. You can take weeks to do it. I mean, I love binging shows. I, I, I'll stay up all night watching a show that I love. And I know that this show from season one was heavily binged. So I think that's, you know, I see it as a 10-hour movie. I don't see it as 10 individual episodes. So it's sort of designed to be bingeable. It means a lot to the people of Hamilton. There were obviously a lot of critical scenes uh, filmed here. Um, and for the and obviously this year is a new twist with Hamilton looking without giving much away. Hamilton looking a lot like Dallas, Texas uh, from a different era. Uh, what, what were what were some of the, you know, uh, benefits of Hamilton in itself that made you say, well, we don't have to do all this in Toronto. We don't have to do all this in another city. Hamilton's a perfect fit for what we're looking for. Yeah, we, we were treated beautifully by people in Hamilton. They were very kind and, and, and friendly to us. What we found in Hamilton is we, we did some scouting in Dallas. Uh, and again, it's, it's said in the 60s. Uh, we couldn't find Dallas looking like the 60s anymore. But there was, you know, a certain places in Hamilton that had this beautiful look, 
were sort of had this sort of timeless 60s look and you know we had this support of those communities to, to convert it and make it look like dallas in 1963 which was just it's an amazing thing to achieve on that scale so you know it was wonderful to be able to pull it off there well yeah it, it's uh it's got the you know the show obviously has a modern feel but to make a modern show a very ultra modern show uh look very retro and take it back a half century uh it's got its challenges you got to find everything from the clothes to the cars to just how street lights look don't you yeah and and you know our goal was to do as little vfx little as little computer generated graphics as we could so when we found a street that we we found in hamilton it was wonderful because we didn't do a ton to it i mean obviously you're right the the cars period cars and the costume but there's certain elements of the look we found that you know didn't require a lot of treatment so that was great for us for production and it made our lives a lot easier love the notion that with this show uh our own uh, you know canadian brethren ellen page got involved and there's a lot of ellen page fans obviously going back you know you can go back inception just had its 10th anniversary which made me feel a little older when it mm -hmm. happened a few weeks ago i remember seeing it in theaters and uh and with ellen i think what's happened here is a lot of people love ellen page and will watch whatever she does she picks some great projects then they got into the show they may not have known much about the book but they just thought this is far from an ellen page uh you know you know, vehicle on its own, as good as she is and as strong as she is, it brought probably a lot more people to view the story and then and then check it out through back channel. Yeah, I mean, Ellen Page is is such a phenomenal actor. I mean, she's good in everything she does. But it was just wonderful to get her and get her and this other ensemble together. And you know, they just we were a great family on and off the screen, and I think that shows. Uh, it was just such a delight to work with all of them together. And uh, you know, we love Toronto, we love Hamilton. It was just so much fun to have such a great Canadian crew with us. It's one of those things as well, where, well, like I said, it's been about 16 months uh, and we're all craving uh, new content, but that anticipation level that goes from season one, when you're, when you're shooting a first season, Steve, when you're, you know, show running for a first season, do you look and say, I already anticipate this in season two, or do you really, it's like an album. You really like a band. You really have to start from scratch because you're putting everything you can into those first 10 episodes. I think you hope you're going to get another season order. So I couldn't end season one without having thought about where I wanted to start season two because we left on such a big cliffhanger. So, you know, I have in my idea each season, I, you know, I, I, I do know what I want to do in season three, if we're lucky enough to get a, an order for it. So season two is a great big cliffhanger again. And I have a plan if we get to go forward and, you know, I, I don't think I'd be able to leave a cliffhanger without a plan. You know, it would be too difficult. I won't, I won't ask you if you have a plan for the end of season five, because we all, uh, I hope we'll be post-pandemic by then. I'm, I hope you know, I'm so. some level of confidence uh, about that to some extent. Let me ask you about the uh, the concept of the tone. Um, will audiences that love the tone, the, the irreverent humor, but also some of the darkness of season one, um, do they see anything different uh, enhanced in season two from any of that? Yeah, I think you, the, the tone is the same. I think we're, we're dealing with some, you know, of course, there's a lot of fun superhero stuff. We're also dealing with some real life issues. We're in the 60s. We're dealing with civil rights issues. We're dealing with issues of homophobia. So, you know, the trick for us as 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 uh, showrunner and writers is to 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 always to find that balance. So it, it doesn't get too you know, to, to mix heightened drama with a heightened fantasy and blend them well together. So you can still enjoy the ride. But, you know, we're, we're not glazing over real issues of racism and things like that. That that's going to be in the show this year. And I think it, it's important to, to show those for that time period. And obviously we're dealing with now with the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. So 
Yeah, couldn't be more timely. Ten episodes, The Umbrella Academy, season two on Netflix, kicks in on Friday. Steve Blackman, thank you very much for the time uh, and great success with season two. We can't wait to see it over the weekend. Thanks, Greg. Great talking to you. That was fun. Umbrella Academy goes tonight. Um, I am uh, looking forward to season two, seeing the trailer. Uh, got a little bit of a taste, if you will, of the first couple episodes. Um, yeah, got a different feel than season one. Uh, it's it's not more of the same. It's more of what you like, but it's got some added layers to it. I'm a big JFK uh, guy, so I'm really interested in uh, to see where the plot goes. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.